Welcome to the Rabbit Hole Club, where we're keeping it surreal and talking about all things odd, mysterious, and paranormal. This is show 008. Tonight, I welcome my dear friend Jennifer Carroll. We're going to talk about haunted theaters from all over the United States, the ghosts that haunt them, and all kinds of other weirdness. It's candid with some adult language, so be advised. Before we dive in too deep, remember to visit my Patreon account and become a member so I can keep bringing you fun and freaky shows with colorful guests and amazing stories. It's full of fun little goodies that'll make you go, hmm. Patreon.com forward slash The Rabbit Hole Club. If you want to follow me on social media, you can find all of that on my new website, therabbithole.club. Be sure to like and follow while you're there watching creepy and cool stuff. If you or someone you know would like to share a scare, personal experience, or anything else odd and unusual, you can call my hotline at 816-514-5084. Leave a message there or send an email to submit at therabbithole.club. I'll be happy to do an interview, play your message on the air, or read your experience to my listeners. And now... On to the show. Tonight's guest is Jennifer Carroll, whom I have worked with for many years in theater and I adore. Hi, Jen. Hi. How are you today? I'm great. Wonderful. I want to start by talking about your career. Tell us about some of the things you've done and some of the places you've been. Well, I spent the majority of my 20s in school. Uh, getting an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree in costume design and technology. Uh, then I spent the majority of my 30s on the road touring with various Broadway shows. Uh, did that for about eight years, came off the road, and uh, came to Kansas City, worked with a wardrobe union here, and ended up getting a job as the costume supervisor for the Kansas City Ballet. Which is where we met. Yes. Yes, and we've spent since about, ooh, 2014 working together, which has been awesome. Okay, in your travels. Yes. I know that you have been to, how many how many theaters do you suppose you've, you've actually done shows in? Uh, I couldn't even begin to guess. Um, I have been to every state in the union and every province in Canada and also to Japan. Right. So, and my first four years of touring were what we call one-nighter bus and trucks, which means we would play a theater one night, we'd get there early in the morning, load the show in, do a show, load out, get back on the bus, and go to the next theater, and do it all over again the next day. Ouch. So I have probably played hundreds of theaters. Every major theater in the United States. I can't say every major theater, because I've never played San Francisco. Oh! Um, But pretty much, yeah. Right on. And out of all of those theaters, how many of them do you think were haunted? The majority of them. Right. What is that? Why is it that theaters have a tendency to be haunted? The theory of the reason behind that is because theaters generate such high emotions Theater was initially created uh, so that people could have a catharsis. That's why you have Greek tragedies and Greek comedies. The tragedies especially. It was so that people could get those emotions out. 
so and and most plays, musicals, operas, ballets are emotional entities. Um, there's a lot of emotion attached to it, whether it's it's happy emotions or sad emotions or angry emotions. There's a lot of emotion there. There's a lot of energy there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and most theaters, especially the older ones, have had a lot of people come through right throughout the years. Um, so that high energy and just the, the number of people that have been there just create a place that spirits like to gravitate towards. Well, in some of these theaters <laughs> that are haunted and everybody knows it, it usually has it has the the essence of somebody who worked there a lot, somebody who spent the majority of their career in that particular theater. And that goes anywhere from their janitors all the way through their performers and their production staff and their artistic staff, all of the above. Yes. Yeah. The very first, um, the very first theater ghost is believed to have be Festus, who was the very first actor to actually have single lines and a, and a, to cre- and was actually the first actor to create a character on stage, because when when. Theater kind of started with Greek theater. It was always a chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't necessarily individual characters and individual actors that created characters. It was just a chorus that kind of told the story. Right. Um, and Thespis was uh, supposed to have been the very first actor that had a single character and created a character. And so any theater, most theaters that are haunted, if they don't have a specific ghost, they say it's Thespis. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right on. That is, that is the ghost. But most theaters that are haunted, it, it truly is somebody who performed there or has some sort of connection to that particular theater. To that particular theater. Right. And to be honest, most of the spirits that I've encountered at theaters mm. are weren't performers they were crew members or um managers or artistic directors or construction construction somebody who was who was there for years for every single show that that performed right 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 or i've even heard of them dying in a fire in the theater yeah if they die yeah somebody who may have passed away in the theater right wow okay so like um of all the theaters that you've done, I know that you've had experiences with several different hauntings at several locations. Do you want to tell me about those? Sure. The very first time that I experienced or came across a spirit in a theater was actually at my undergrad. Um, I went to Missouri Southern State. At that time, it was college. Now it's Missouri Southern State University down in Joplin, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And... I started in the fall of 1989, and there were two theaters on campus. There was Taylor Auditorium, which was the main theater and was the theater that uh, was in the same building where we had all our classrooms. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Barn Theater, which had originally been a barn. Okay. Because the land that Missouri Southern is on uh, was originally an estate, mm-hmm. and it had uh, been a cattle farm. So uh, the barn and the original mansion that the folks lived in 
were on campus. And uh, when Mis Missouri Southern started with, as Joplin Junior College on that property, uh, the theater department needed a theater. There wasn't one. They weren't going to build one. So the, the head of the department, uh, Dr. Britsky, decided to uh, convert the barn into a theater. So they did. Okay. <laughs> Down at the barn... Uh, there was, the, he was the first ghost that I encountered. Um, it was a former caretaker or worker of some sort that had been on the farm. Oh, okay. Um, and he, it was an older gentleman who always wore overalls. Um, and he'd just hang out there in the barn. Sometimes he'd be there during rehearsals. Sometimes he'd be there during performances. You know, but he was just always there. Did you, like, um, see him there? The first... I only saw him once, and it wasn't until later, and it was actually up at Taylor Auditorium. Um, I felt him, um, because I'm clairvoyant, clairsentient, and clairaudient, mm -hmm. so I felt him and I heard him, uh -huh. but I didn't actually see him. Gotcha. <clears throat> the Barn Theater ended up burning down in November of 1990. Mm -hmm. And when that burned down, he just moved up to Taylor Auditorium. Oh, well, that's where all, that's where the party was, man. Yeah, he moved to Taylor Auditorium. There was a show that I was in my junior year that, because we had lost the barn, which was our little black box theater, we were doing shows, smaller shows. We'd just bring the grand drape in mm -hmm. and set seating up on stage and, you know, stage stage left would be the actual stage area stage right would be where we'd set some risers and seating and you know we created our own little black box wow <clears throat> we were doing a show called coyote ugly and myself and another woman had to we exited through the audience and had to run through the auditorium mm -hmm. that was blocked off to get around to the other side so we'd be backstage. Oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, and as we're both running through, there he is sitting on the front row uh, on the corner. And like, and we really had, we didn't have time to stop. But, and Victoria was in front of me and she turned around. She's like, did you see that? I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> just, so we both saw him and we just kept, you know, we had to keep going because you're doing a show. You can't stop. Right. No, uh-uh. So that was the one time that I actually physically saw him, and it was both Victoria and I that saw him. And I know that there were other people that, that told stories about seeing him at the barn and uh, at, at Taylor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Taylor Auditorium had another ghost that was there that was the Lady in Blue. Oh. And nobody really knows where she came from or who she was, um, at least as far as I know. Mm -hmm. But people would see her. Uh, you'd hear her. And as weird as it sounds, she would make bacon. Oh. Because there were a lot of times that either backstage or um, this, uh, to get up to the balcony in Taylor Auditorium, halfway up uh, to the balcony was a big uh, classroom area. It was called the Balcony Lounge. Okay. Um, it was basically above the lobby. And if you were going up to the balcony to get to the booth, a lot of times halfway up about the balcony lounge or even between the balcony lounge and the balcony, you'd smell bacon. That's my kind of ghost. 
Um, and I wasn't the only one that smelled it. There were <laughs> other people that would smell it. And so, like, we were like, do you smell bacon? Yeah, where's that coming from? Well, the lady in blue must be making bacon. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. So, um, I never actually physically saw her. I felt her presence. I know I have some friends who did um, and said that it was a woman. She had dark hair um, and dressed in a blue dress. Interesting. Yeah. Did they ever have any idea who she was, where she came from, nothing at all? Not that I know of. Gotcha. Um, people may have figured it out since then, but I, I haven't heard. So I know on the road you had so many different haunting experiences at a whole bunch of different theaters. What was your next big one? The next big one would probably be uh, the Grand Opera House in Macon, Georgia. Okay. Um, that theater is a really cool theater. Okay. Um, because uh, it has two balconies, mm -hmm. but the second balcony is no longer used for audience. It has a booth, mm -hmm. the sound and lighting booth in it, and then it was what was originally uh, called a peanut gallery, which is oh, where yeah. they would make people of color sit okay. to segregate them. Right. And in those type of balconies, this literally the seating was just benches. And um, they were little benches. And they were thin. little thin benches. So that like two by four. Yeah. Basically, you're sitting on maybe a, a six inch. You know, a bench that's six inches deep, maybe. Right, and I, crammed, like, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm five foot four, and I actually sat down up there, and, like, my butt barely fit on the bench. And if there had been somebody sitting in front of me, my knees would have been in their back. Right. Now, can you imagine if somebody taller were trying to sit up there? No. Yeah. It, it was probably miserable. I bet. That theater also still had what's called a thunder room. Oh. Which is usually up and above and behind the balconies. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Right. That's where they would make, like, if thunder needed to happen in a show, they'd make thunder back there and other kind of, of extraneous noises would, like, happen in that room so it would reverberate through the audience. Gotcha. Um, Those are so cool. Yeah. So, uh, in there was a gentleman who was the manager of the theater in the late 60s, early 70s, um, who loved the theater, was there all the time, but kind of had some problems happening in his uh, personal life. Mm -hmm. And uh, the story that I was told was that over the... July 4th weekend, he had gone to the theater because they had had problems with pigeons in the Thunder Room. Great. Um, he had gone to the theater to and up into the Thunder Room with a gun to shoot pigeons. But he also took some pills and a bottle of whiskey with him. Oh, great. Um, he ended up taking the pills, drinking the whiskey, and he died. Oh, wow. They assume that maybe it was a suicide just because he was so unhappy. But unfortunately, it was July in Georgia. Oh. And um, he wasn't, f over a holiday weekend, he wasn't found for several days. Oh. <laughs> 
And the body had uh, bloated. Yeah. And exploded. No! So, and and I actually uh, talked uh, a local crew member after we had finished a loadout, my mm. par- portion of the loadout, had talked them into taking me up there. My assistant and I talked them into taking us up there. And he cool. took us up there. And you can still see the stain on the floor. Oh, wow. Which was weird and creepy. Yeah. <laughs> but this gentleman haunts that theater. He is still there. He he, And basically what he does is he's still taking care of the theater. He, he'll, like, show up and, and just kind of make sure everything's okay. It's always a very positive energy and a very nice energy. It's never negative. It's never, you know, uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, he just kind of shows up, makes sure everything's still going. That's actually yeah. really cool. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> so have you ever had a negative experience with a haunting in a theater? Yes. Oh, you want to tell me about that? Um, the Orpheum Theater in Phoenix. Now, for some reason, a lot of Orpheum theaters are haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orpheum, uh, like Fox and Warner, mm-hmm. were a, was a chain of theaters that were initially opened to be movie houses in like the 20s and 30s. Oh. Uh, but movie houses then were built with a theatrical stage right so that in addition to movies they could put on live performances right just helped with the revenue and for some reason a lot almost all the orpheum theaters that are still functioning in the united states are haunted (laughs) because there's one in phoenix there's one in la there's one in memphis there's one someplace else i can't think of where it is but most of those i've played and yeah they're all haunted the one in phoenix that theater the minute i i like stepped into it, I just felt uncomfortable. There was, like, an oppressiveness to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I never saw anything. There wasn't anything that ever happened. But there is a rubber ducky that sits on top of an electrical box. I think it's on stage right. So backstage. Backstage, Mm -hmm. on stage right. And nobody is allowed to touch that duck. Okay. Because if you touch or mess with the duck, then something goes wrong during your show that night. Oh. And usually it's something pretty big and technical. Oh. That will go wrong. Oh, yikes. Yeah. And the crew members there have tons of stories of people who didn't believe it and, like, messed with the duck. And then things went wrong during the show. show. (laughs) Because Broadway shows go through that theater all the time. So, you know, you get all kinds of different Broadway shows that come through. Right. Whoa! Okay. So So, you have another theater you'd like to tell us about, too? Well, this is a theater that I never played. Okay. In the theater. But uh, it's the Coleman Theater in Miami, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, When I I came off the road in 2008, and I moved back to Joplin, Missouri, Mm -hmm. and I met a woman, Ruth Guzman, who had a a paranormal investigation team, and um, I joined her team. Now, she had heard about the Coleman Theater and that it was haunted. Mm -hmm. So we decided that uh, her and I and one of the other ladies on the team actually went to Miami and just did a tour. Mm -hmm. And and they just did normal tours. It wasn't like a ghost tour or anything. It was just a tour of the theater. Okay. Because it's a historic theater, so Mm -hmm. that's kind of how they made revenue. 
So we went to this uh, this to, to tour this theater. Now Ruth is a skeptic, and she says she's a skeptic. Okay. I am also a skeptical believer in that I believe what I see and what I feel, but I would like some proof to back it up. Right, right, right. You know. Um, so we take this tour, and while we're on the tour, I would we'd go to different places, and I'd be like, Ruth, take a picture of that area, or take a picture of that light board, or take a picture of this room. Mm-hmm. Um, as we went through the tour, I would tell her those things, and she'd be like, okay, okay. After the main tour was done, we sat down and talked to the tour guide and started asking him questions about the ghosts. And he was like, are you guys a paranormal investigators? And we were like, yeah. He was like, okay, I figured. And so he started telling us some stories. Okay. And every place that I had told Ruth to take a picture had a story of a ghost attached to it. (laughs) So, like, there was an electrician in the theater that was attached to the lighting console that I had her take a picture of. Um, (laughs) Up in the projection booth, there was an old caretaker and projectionist that is attached to that room. And, like, downstairs in the basement room, in a place that they'd use as a scene shop, there was a carpenter. You know, so every place, so, and every time he'd tell a story about a place, Ruth would look at me <laughs> with kind of her eyes kind of big. <laughs> and finally he caught on to that and he was like, why do you keep looking at her? <laughs> <laughs> and so Ruth explained why. And um, <clears throat> then he got really excited thinking that I was like a psychic medium. Okay. And actually got up, because we were just sitting in the theater talking. He got up and started taking me to different places in the theater, wanting to know if I felt something or if I caught on to something. Okay. And actually, in all the, most of the places that he took me, I because I started opening up, mm-hmm. and, like, I did. I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'd, I'd like, just tell him a story, and he would be like, how did you know that? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, I just do it. One of the things that freaked him out the most, and this was more of a residual, Mm -hmm. uh, we were standing in the lobby, and I looked at him, and I said, there used to be a concession stand right there, because I'm getting a picture of a concession stand from, like, the 40s, with, like, girls with the victory rolls and the little, you know, um, uh, soda hats, you know. Fun. That's what I'm seeing. He was like, and his, literally his face completely dropped. He was like... (laughs) Yeah. He was like, that's where the concession stand was in the 30s and 40s. I was like, oh, okay. That's cool. You know, I mean, there was no concession stand there anymore. Right. You know, but yeah, I just like got this picture of, and it was, you know, there wasn't anybody actually there haunting. It was just a residual energy. Well, let's talk about residual for a second because residual energy is not necessarily an active haunting with a cognizant thinking entity. It is a, a composite of energy that is left over from something that was so potent it just lived on. So it doesn't have a character. It's not thinking and doing for itself. It's just there because it was that potent at the time. Yeah, it's just the energy yep. that was created at that time. But there, and and there were a lot of 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 different because he took us up to the balcony and he took us back to that production booth and he took us down to the basement 
and like all these different places. And there's actually a, a safe that was the first owner's safe mm-hmm. that he passed away without ever telling anybody the combination. Oh no! So they've never been able to get it open. Nobody's been able. Uh, nobody's been able to crack it. They've never been able to get it open. Wow! One of the things he wanted me to do was go up and see if I could figure out the numbers. I was <laughs> like, like that's not really what I do. That's not me, man. <laughs> I can't really. You can't blame the guy for asking, yeah, though. I'm like, because that guy's not here. <laughs> I'm like that original owner. He's he's not here at all. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so. There's nobody to tell me the numbers. <laughs> um, now, this we did this tour probably in in March or April, mm-hmm. uh, and then I moved to Kansas City. Uh-huh. And then in October, uh, Ruth and a couple of other people went back and took the ghost tour. Oh, okay. They, in in October they do a ghost tour. Okay. So Ruth went back and did the ghost tour. <laughs> And apparently, I became part of the tour. <laughs> she called me, and she was like, you're not going to believe this. She was like, but we went back to the Coleman, and we did the tour. And the guy started talking about this psychic who came and started running around all over the building and kept, like, telling him all these different things. I was like, I didn't realize I had that much energy. <laughs> How awesome is that, though? Wow. <laughs> but, yeah, that theater definitely has uh, one guy. Actually, there's two. But there's one gentleman who was a, um, he's the strongest. Uh, he was kind of like a caretaker, um, maintenance guy mm-hmm. who was there while they were building the theater. And then for years after. But he was very angry. Oh. Because while the theater was being built, there was uh, the assistant interior designer mm-hmm. disappeared. Oh. Without a trace. Oh. And nobody knows what happened to her. Oh. Um, there are rumors because she was in late one night doing some work and then she just didn't come in the next day. But they were also replacing, they tore out and replaced brand new seats that were just below the edge of the balcony. Oh, what? On house left. (gasps) So uh, there was speculation that she either accidentally fell and died or somebody pushed her over and she died and they covered it up so that they could get the theater open in time. Oh, wow. Which actually I did pick up on that while I was there. And yeah, she did, uh, she was actually... What I picked up on, I don't think this can be proven, but she was pushed over because she had fallen in love with the son of the man who was backing it. Oh. Um, But she wasn't good enough for his son. Yeah, it was kind of a love triangle thing. And they got rid of her and then got rid of her. (laughs) And then got rid of her. (laughs) Um, But this this, this gentleman, this maintenance man, was also in love with her. And he was very upset and angry over the whole situation, even though he stayed working for them for years after that. He was angry. He was angry. And he maintained that in the afterlife. He did. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that was the one. You said that there were two in that theater? Uh, the other one was uh, an electrician. 
Oh. And what's what's cool about the Coleman Theater is uh, in the backstage area, they still have a very old, like, patch electrical panel. Oh. The original, like, electrics panel that controlled, like, the, the stage lighting and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, the first electrical ones, were these ginormous, like, panels that just had s- big switches. Oh, like the blade switches. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yep. And that panel was still back there. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, I mean, they didn't use it anymore, but they didn't tear it out. So, like, you could still see it. And he, yeah, he was still there at his panel, like, doing his job. Okay. So. And I, I want to touch on one that's close to you and me both. We're going to talk about the Kaufman Center for, for Performing Arts. Because there's a ghost there, too. There is. And we've experienced him how many times? I don't even know. I can't count either. And he's done things like, let's see, locking doors is his favorite. He locks doors. He will turn on showers. That can't be turned off. They literally have to turn the water off to all those showers because they won't turn off at the handles. Yeah. Yep. Um, you'll see him out of the corner of your eye. He's also turned uh, on and off monitors in dressing rooms. Yep, on and off monitors. Uh, I have seen him turn on and off lights. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen him close or open doors or anything like that. Those doors are so heavy, I don't know that he could. Those <laughs> doors are hugely heavy. Oh, my gosh. The shower thing was hilarious because we were, we were doing a ballet there and... All of the male dancers would just like come into our room looking really perplexed and confused one at a time. And here they come going, my shower just came on and I can't turn it off. And the next guy would come in and say, my shower's on and I can't turn it off. I don't know. There was like three or four of those guys that night. Yeah. And they, yeah, they did end up having to turn off the water for a little bit to get them to shut off. And then when they turned the water back on, they stayed off. Yep. So this ghost is uh, a young man who died in the making of that theater. And he, he plunged to his death accidentally from six stories up. And primarily, you find him haunting the sixth floor there. Now, I haven't had a whole lot of experiences with him in the last, probably since 2020-ish. Mm-hmm. But he, he was there pretty hot and heavy up until that time. Um, he happened to be the brother of a man that I know, which is really weird. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen or felt him there since the pandemic. Yeah, I agree. It's like he was there when we did Swan Lake in March of 2020 before the pandemic. Yep. And it's like the theater shut down after that and was shut down for a year. Right. Almost. Because we didn't play there at all the the 2021 season. Right. Yeah, and when we came back this past season, I never once felt him. No, you know, we played, his brother wrote him a song after he passed away, which we would go in and um, when things started getting too lively, he'd start moving things around on the racks and making noise and turning lights off and locking doors and we knew it was time to play the song. <laughs> So we'd play the song for him, and um, things would quiet down. But we, you know, since 2020, we haven't played that song for him once. I don't once. know if since the theater closed and nobody was ever there, if he just moved on. I don't know. I hope so. I do, too. That would be the greatest thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's my show for this week. Special thanks to my amazing family for getting this project off the ground and indulging me down this crazy rabbit hole. Next week, I'll have Jennifer Carroll back as my guest, and we'll be talking about the interesting topic of theater superstitions. There are a ton of them, so it should be fun and interesting. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening, and keep it surreal. 